as today is International Podcast Day, we're going to release four episodes on one day to celebrate that fact, all recorded at Leeds Digital Festival. This episode is with Susie Bell, a project manager at the Head Partnership, uh, an organisation that are working with large enterprise businesses to make sure that they are having a positive impact on the communities in which they are based. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly technology podcast, celebrating International Podcast Day with myself, David Savage, powered by the Harvey Nash Group, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you a bit of news. So, Keish, what are you going to be doing on Sunday? Uh, what am I going to be doing on Sunday? Uh, I'm actually going out for dinner um, with some friends, actually. Oh, look that's at you. about it. Yeah, that, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I'm going to the old uh, Salt Bay restaurant, mm. which just opened up in London. So, what do they, what do they do? It's a steakhouse, really. Oh, and you did like a thing like you were doing a flamenco dance, and I wondered if you were going to tell me that that was like seafood of some kind. No, it's, no. It's, it's that Salt Bay guy. You know, you you, you must oh, have seen right, Nusret, yeah, right? Okay, yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Got you. Um, so this is the best bit of audio content ever. <laughs> Us talking <laughs> about a signal it. you made with your hands that no one else can see. <laughs> For the benefit My of God. everyone listening, uh, who probably know, if you don't know, just look at Salt Bay. But yeah, he, he's basically, he, the guy went viral for freaking sprinkling salt on a piece of meat and, and the way he was doing it. It's just ridiculous. But anyway, yeah. I, mean, so, I, I like um, the idea that you're just taking up flamenco in the office. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I'm in a I'm in a room and no one can really see me, which is good. <laughs> um, I'm going to be running the virtual London Marathon. That's you are. You bit are. Bit of a plug. Bit of a plug. Uh, this is a total personal thing. Sorry, sabotaging my own podcast. But um, yeah, if you uh, if you want to check out my uh, personal uh, Instagram, D Savage underscore 84 i think uh there is a fundraising god i hope that's the you, right handle how can you forget your own bloody insta handle i think Christ. that's right anyway there's a fundraising page there it's it's in aid of, of psc support uk so if you love the podcast and you think that i'm not a total idiot that your your support would be very much appreciated anyway segue back to the actual podcast Hang on, is, um, is, is this where you're going to be running around kent right on sunday yeah, it's the virtual yeah. marathon yeah so it's well no marathon. so i'd love to be doing it in london obviously but yeah, i'm going to be doing yeah, it on my yeah. own which is going to be you fairly soul destroying so if you are in kent and you see this guy running around just you know give him chuck him a bottle of water or something or you know beep at him horn at him just don't run him over <laughs> don't run me <laughs> we over need, we need him <laughs> oh mate just on this like this is now getting into a into a very long diatribe but i bought some bone conducting headphones this week because i don't want to get run over so i didn't want plugs in my ears because in here yeah. headphones obviously stop you from hearing yeah. traffic and cars are sneaky fuckers on kent roads i'll be honest with you so it's it's a bit of a hazard bone mm. conducting headphones amazing really so safe yeah. because i can hear traffic whilst i'm running but i can also hear the music because the the things sit on your cheekbones and you hear through your cheekbones that is very, very good. You need to you need to show me those next time I see you. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. bring. Well, I'm seeing they, you tomorrow, think, like, so yes. I'll bring them with yeah. me. There you go. They sit there. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Right. Anyway, podcast. Uh, Susie Bell is our guest. This is one of four episodes we're dropping. It is International Podcast Day. We went to Leeds last week, recorded five interviews. One was out on Tuesday. Four are out today on International Podcast Day. This is the interview with Susie Bell from Head Partnership. It's fantastic. Please do listen. We'll be back 
afterwards with some comments. So I'm chatting to Susie. It's Friday afternoon, so thank you for giving up some time at the end of what must have been a, a busy first week of the Leeds Digital Festival. Thank you. Yes, it has been. Um, this is quite relaxing in comparison, actually, so I'm very glad to be here. I would hope that it's relaxed. Uh, the day that this podcast becomes uh, hardball is the day to hang the microphone up. So, yeah, no, no it should be relaxing. Um, you work for the Ahead Partnership. Mm-hmm. Who are... The Ahead Partnership. Ahead Partnership. So Ahead Partnership was founded 15 year, years ago in Leeds. Um, and we we do lots of things, but ultimately we help the private sector play a transformational role within the communities that they serve. So we support employers of all shapes and sizes to deliver social value projects, support them in their ESG aims. And we do that by coming up with concrete plans and connecting them to the people they want to reach in their communities. So how does that, how does that process start? Some, something like a, a CEO, a CIO, a CTO goes into a business and goes, we're not doing as much as we could. Like, you know, they, they, there's someone who's kind of driving that, that from a passion point of view, but then they reach out. And how do they work out what programs do suit their business? Because if I'm having, off the top of my head, you've got Skybet, you've got... Channel 4, you've got Sainsbury's up here. How do they? Asda. We've Asda. got Asda. <laughs> Could have sworn you had Sainsbury's as well. But okay, Asda. Um, nonetheless, big retailers, big players in different sectors. Mm-hmm. How do they know what kind of projects actually align to them? Well, our clients sometimes don't, and that's why they come to us, and we help them work out which projects align to them. Um, more and more, we're seeing ESG policies being placed at board level, So in the past and currently, lots of organisations might have a corporate social responsibility team and they've handled, you know, charity fundraising, volunteering days, that kind of thing. But more and more we're seeing ESG, which is environmental, social and government governance, sorry, um, kind of being pulled together in one policy, one agenda, and that now sits at board level. Um, And quite often, like some of the sponsors of the programme we're going to talk about today, those organisations, those board members, those colleagues within those organisations know that they want to do something, they want to do something good, that's a part of their social value agenda, but they don't necessarily know how or what it is that they can or want to do to achieve those aims, Mm -hmm. and that's where we we come in, that's where they approach us, or we approach them. Yeah, and I suppose there must be that slight fear that you don't want to kind of greenwash, you don't want to just kind of tick a box and say Mm -hmm. we're doing something like planting trees and therefore... Yep, well done us. Yes. But actually finding stuff that, that really does serve the community. And yep. I suppose that then strikes back at the heart of what are the issues in this region that they can help with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's something that a lot of the you know, contacts that we work with our clients say that we don't want this to be a box ticking exercise. We don't, obviously we want to see results from the time and money that we invest in trying to meet our aims. But equally, that's not the most important thing. A lot of us say, to, a lot of them say to us, we want to do it because it's the right thing to do, and we want to see tangible results and impact on the people in the communities that we've tried to help. Um, and lots of them are very keen that it does not become a box-ticking exercise. So, look, I mean, coming back to that question, when we're looking at, at Yorkshire, mm-hmm. North Yorkshire, West Yorkshire, um, what are the what are the social issues? that you tend to look at and go, this is where we can make a real impact? We look a lot at social mobility. 
um, and that there isn't enough opportunity for social mobility among the young people in Leeds. We work a lot with schools and school teams and careers leads within schools to try and support the schools, support the young people, um, and educating them about what is available out there. Um, you know, the kind of the schools in the leafy affluent areas with the outstanding Ofsted grades, with, you know, a budget they can devote towards careers. They don't have any issues with social mobility, but some of the schools that we work with, um, and this has only been exacerbated by the pandemic, um, see a real lack of social mobility. Um, and so that those are the schools that we target typically in our social value. Projects. This might be a really stupid question, but why has the pandemic made that? I, I would have thought it's the, the kind of thing that my mum was, my, so my mum was a, was a secondary teacher in, in an inner city school in Newcastle. Mm -hmm. And she, in the course of her career, saw three or four generations almost of, of certain families come through. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it was just that cycle where the parents didn't have the broader horizons and therefore the kids never did. And it was mm -hmm. a cycle that was very difficult for the schools to break. Mm -hmm. How has the pandemic made that worse? Okay, so there are, there are, there's, there's two different things that I want to talk to you about. So remind me of the other one in a moment, which is digital poverty. So the first one, and what you're talking about there that your mum witnessed, is that those kids were lacking in cultural capital. Mm. So I wasn't lacking in cultural capital. I came from a single parent family. We didn't have any money, but critically, my mum and her wider circle gave me cultural capital. So if I wanted work experience, I could approach my mum or one of her friends and say, can I come and do my work experience at your organisation? I was exposed to people in jobs that had they not have been part of my wider circle, I wouldn't have known about those opportunities. Mm. And that's what the kids that you're talking about, that your mum taught and a lot of the kids that we encounter in our work, they're missing those opportunities to be exposed to what's available out there. They just don't know about it. Like you can ask any teenager and you will you'll probably get a similar answer whether, you know, they're from a private school or from an inner city school with its own issues, if you ask them what they want to be when they leave school, you'll probably get one of 10 job titles because kids will aspire to what they can see and what they can see is policemen, uniform services, medicine, maybe law on the TV or unfortunately maybe they've encountered lawyers and solicitors in their own lives, things like that. If you say to them, have you thought of being an HR consultant at a tech firm? That might as well be a different language because there's no way for them to encounter that in their day-to-day -day lives. Mm. Um, and if those young people from, like you described, you know, if they're third or fourth generation worklessness, where we have to create the opportunities for those to, them to encounter different career paths, different types types of jobs, the skills that you need to gain entry to those different types of jobs to break that cycle. Mm. Um, and so that's one issue. How the pandemic has exacerbated that, um, quite, there are a number of ways, but specifically the one that we're thinking about when we start launch our program next week is digital poverty and the impact that has had on young people's education. So I'll give you a bit of an anecdote to explain digital poverty. There is a very successful school that I was doing a little bit of work with last year um, in a kind of leafy town towards the North Yorkshire border. 
When the pandemic hit and the schools closed, they were in a position to give every single kid that they sent home, every single member of their school population, an iPad. Every single one. And online learning and lessons immediately launched and they had almost 100% attendance right up until the summer holidays on their online learning when they ran it. It was up and running in a phenomenally short amount of time. Compare that to another school that we work with, an inner city Leeds school that serves um, a really deprived community. If you give me a minute, I'll tell you what percentage of their school population is eligible for free school meals. Mm. A lot of them are first or second generation immigrant kids. So they spend a lot of time translating for their parents. They have more responsibility than the kids at that leafy school up near North Yorkshire. They don't have iPads. I, one of our clients created some uh, money management resources for kids to access at home. Um, recorded lessons with lesson plans and resources and forms and worksheets and all that kind of thing that they can do from home. I shared those with every school I could think of who would want them. One of those schools was the inner city school that I just mentioned. When I called a few weeks later to say, how are year eight getting on with those resources? The teacher that I spoke to said, at the moment we're seeing less than 50% attendance with year eight, and there, that's the best attendance across the school population. Because a lot of those kids have multiple siblings, no Wi-Fi connection, and they're all working from one second-hand iPhone. Yeah. Now, how... Ask me again how the pandemic has exacerbated a lack of social mobility in our more deprived communities. That's just one of the answers to that question. Um, and that's continuing, continuing. That's not, that problem has always been there, but it was the pandemic that highlighted it. And it was the pandemic that has caused that significant gap in educational attainment between our more and our less advantaged students. So if we come back to social capital first, mm -hmm. because I could see on the digital divide, yeah, I mean, Wi-Fi connection and connectivity is, is a particular challenge. I could see how organisations could help with devices. I, I have spoken to people, uh, an organisation based up in Sunderland, who were trying to get uh, corporations to, to donate hardware to schools. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not saying that that fixes it, but obviously it's a bit of a help on, on that second front. But on that first front, what, what can a, an ASDA, a Channel 4, a, you know, any of the you know, Skybet, Leeds-based private organisations do? Is it, is it best to bring those kids from school into their environment and to show them what that environment looks like and its breadth and its depth? Is it to go into the schools and have people from the HR department go and talk to the kids? How, how do they kind of interact with them in a way that truly engages the children and, and gets them to go, oh, hang on a minute, there is a little bit more here? Mm -hmm. Well, there's a number of ways, actually. So all schools um, are required to... I don't know that you would have ever heard of the Gatsby benchmarks. Mm -hmm. No. So the Gatsby benchmarks is a series of benchmarks. There are eight that are given to schools um, to ensure a quality careers programme. Um and we, help, we support schools to achieve those. Um, so the two examples that you've just given, is it better to go into a school? Is it better to invite the, them in? Both of those are a part of the Gatsby benchmarks. So there's one benchmark that is experiences of workplaces, and there's another benchmark, which is encounter with employer, encounters with employers. And both are effective. 
ultimately. Um, the, there was a survey done a number of years ago now, um, but one of its sort of main, main reporting figures was that just four encounters with employers they wouldn't, you know, encounter on a day-to-day -day basis, um, just four encounters significantly increases young people's aspirations. And again, it comes back to that cultural capital, that, that if that's something that's lacking in their home and family life, a stable careers programme in school can provide that. So if someone's listening to this and they're, they're, they're in a CSR team, say, yep. in, a, in a SME to enterprise business, mm -hmm. and ESG is a term that maybe is slightly alien to them or mm -hmm. they haven't really done anything there, what would you say to that person? I'd say give us a call and have a chat about how, the ways that you want to support the community that you serve, and we can do that. What happens if they're not in Leeds? Well, that's okay. We work nationally. So, yes, our base is in Leeds. We were founded yep. in Leeds. Um, and we have a strong network of schools and businesses um, and kind of stakeholders, relationships with the council, that kind of thing in Leeds. Um, but we also have a strong base in the West Midlands. We've worked in London. We've worked in Oxford. We've worked in Portsmouth. Um, and obviously, in the last year and a half, um, I've been working with people all over the show. I've had volunteers, um, business volunteers, volunteers on activities taking places in school in Leeds and they're based down in Dorset. Mm. You know, I've had, I've been running a challenge with a couple of schools in Leeds um, and an organisation called Nexus um, that are on the yeah. University of Leeds campus. Um, one of our volunteer mentors was a lady called Lisa who was based in Toronto for the entirety of that challenge. So it doesn't matter if they're not based in Leeds. Um, we work nationally and increasingly we're starting to see people taking part internationally. Um, so yeah, get in touch, let us know. We work a lot with John Lewis, the John Lewis Partnership, yep. um, and we work nationally with them, uh, just as an example. So yes, the programme that obviously we're launching during Leeds Digital Festival, the, year, the first year of it will be Growing Talent Digital Leeds, but we're hoping that in the very near future, we will be growing that programme to include the Leeds City region, which then pulls in Bradford and Wakefield and Kirklees and, yeah. uh, well, towns in Kirklees, and that it might one day become Growing Talent Digital West Yorkshire. We're running other Growing Talent programmes in other parts of the UK, so it's really becoming our kind of flagship endeavour. Um, and, yeah, the sky is the limit. The digital skills gap exists everywhere. Um, young people deprived of those opportunities exist everywhere, so we just hope to grow it and grow it and grow it. Now, um, Leeds Digital Festival has a huge number of events going on. Mm -hmm. So where are you focusing your attention? Is, is it the opportunity to talk to some of these businesses that I imagine are your, are your target audience in terms of coming and working with, with the schools? Or is it, you know, I imagine it's a bit of a blend, but where are you putting your time? It is. It is a bit of a blend. So we're putting our time um, in hopefully engaging some of the smaller tech and digital organisations mm -hmm. in Leeds. And also those um, organisations and employers who might not be a part of the tech and digital sector, but may have a significant workforce who need digital skills or, um, you know, are kind of forward thinking enough to recognise the need to ensure a talent pipeline in terms of people with digital skills for the future. Um, so our sponsors are some of the lead tech employers in Leeds and they're funding the programme. Um, Leeds City Council, Leeds City College of Strategic Partners, Leeds Trinity University is sponsoring the programme. And obviously these are fairly significantly si sized organisations. So we've got Net Company and Digital, BJSS 
Infinity Works, Red Kite Games, who are a part of Sumo Gaming. These are all organizations who have, let's be blunt, have budget to devote to their ESG aims and, yeah. and you know, making something happen. But Leeds has a, a rich and vibrant um, community of SMEs, of startups. I mentioned Nexus and you nodded so you know what I'm talking about when I yes. talk about Nexus. We have this huge community of tech professionals who I would imagine want to share their knowledge, want to think about their succession. They're not going to run their companies for the rest of their life. Um, what can they do to invest in the younger generation? So that's who we're aiming to get along to our launch. And obviously it's a strange time to be holding a breakfast meeting at the moment. So we will be making all of the information available online. I'm hoping to live stream it, but we've encountered a couple of hiccups so far. So we'll see. But that's who we're aiming at. And also anybody who just wants to come along and get in, get involved. You know, I've talked about ESGs. I've talked about corporate responsibility. I've talked about the reasons why we need to do it, specifically in digital and tech and you know, ensure a diverse talent of pipeline for the city in the future. But ultimately, volunteering in schools is really good fun. Yeah. Yeah? It's a massive part of my job. Um, it is, you know, when I have the days where I'm struggling a little bit, going and interacting with some kids, it's a huge amount of fun. It's massively rewarding. I was talking to somebody at an organisation a couple of weeks ago who said, we're really struggling to get take-up. So loads of organisations will offer volunteer days to their staff. And I was talking to a lady who was saying, I really struggle to get people to take up their volunteer days because a lot of what we offer is things like volunteering in homeless shelters, volunteering in, um, like, we feel like dogs trust and things like that. Basically, like, quite sad things, I guess, you know. Um, volunteering with refugee crisis centres and things like that. And a lot of people have been saying... I know it's the right thing to do, but I just don't want to see it. Like, the last year and a half has been really, really hard, personally. I don't want to go to a homeless shelter and be confronted with everything that's wrong with the world. Yeah. That is not the experience you will have volunteering with me in a school in inner city Leeds or in, you know, the wider area, or indeed nationally, actually, because we're starting to run things in Birmingham again. Um, kids are so funny. They're so insightful. They will immediately ask you what you earn. You know, if we're going to talk careers, they will immediately ask you what they're going to get paid. Um, it's hugely rewarding. And yeah, on the days when I find it really, really difficult, going and spending time with a bunch of kids makes like everything worth it again, genuinely. So those are the people that we're looking for. The ones that might not have a huge CSR budget to put into the programme, but a lot of our activity is supported by those people who just want to, you know, get get out there, get in there, um, help us run our activity and have a bit of a laugh with some local teenagers. It's it's massively rewarding and so much fun. So much fun. I love I love the enthusiasm and, and to be honest, I ran a volunteer project at university teaching uh, netball, hockey, and cricket to, to kids in um, less affluent schools in Colchester. So mm -hmm. I can I can totally endorse your view that it's a lot of fun <laughs> look thank you very much for spending some time with me and uh, I, I hope the second half of the festival goes well thank you very much so do i i had never heard of cultural capital neither did I. do you know what i've literally uh, for the benefit of everyone listening i've written it down on a piece of paper if you can see this cultural capital and well i'd heard of digital property but yeah but not cultural capital how weird it's is interesting that? isn't it hmm 
like because yeah. she talks about the fact that there are one in ten you know one one to ten job titles that kids will aspire to but it's what they can see and that's entirely true but if you say to most children unless their parents do it like do you want to be an hr consultant it's like what is an hr consultant Mm. I think even when I was yeah. at university, like at university, I didn't know what half the jobs are that we talk about. I didn't even know yeah. what recruitment was when I was at university, if I'm perfectly honest with you. Um, and I, <laughs> I tend to think that I, I came from a, I did come from a family where there was a lot of cultural capital. Both of my parents mm. went to university. My elder sister went to university. Um, one of my great aunts randomly was one of the first female lecturers at Cambridge. Uh, I couldn't get more silver spoon if I fancied it. Uh, I know what a twat. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's a really good point, you know. Like my wife, super super um, smart, but was the first person in her family to go to university, and Ooh. didn't even know that, say, Oxford or Cambridge was an option. Like, just Ooh. didn't assume that was for people like her from Salford. And that's mental. Like when I actually talk that through now, it's kind of like the what a crazy attitude to have. But cultural capital, if you don't have it, if you haven't been exposed to it, you mm. only know what you can see. Yeah. And it's just, it, it's crazy how if you are lacking that kind of cultural capital, how, you know, people can almost admit defeat before they've even kind of stepped into it. Like, do, do you know what mm. I mean? And, and, and if it's not for like programs or, or kind of kind of social, you know, kind of mobility type of initiatives that can help people raise their kind of bar or, or, or their, I guess, just the, the kind of prospects in the future, then, you know, you, you kind of think that people are just stuck in a bit of a rut, which me being from a, a, another country, um, I mean, my native country is Pakistan, right, where... Mm-hmm. When when I was when I was kind of listening to the interview and and kind of thought about cultural capital, it's 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 a country where it's if you have it you have it in abundance and if you don't have it you've got none of it and there's no you know kind of medium there's no kind of happy medium there's no um, kind of programs to allow those from kind of you know um, less lesser areas to then delve up and 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 go go higher or to increase their kind of cultural um, capital by the sense of kind of education, intellect, knowledge, these sorts of things, um, they, they just can't. So that's why, you know, it, it's an area or a country where if, if you're well off, you're really well off in everything, all facets of life. Mm. But I think what, going back to kind of, I, I guess the reason why I brought that up was where we are in the UK, there are a lot more opportunities for people that are in lesser areas as compared to others who can get access to the Oxford and the, the, the Cambridges or who can get access to schemes and, and jobs in the city, so to speak, and banks and cool startups and these sorts of things. Um, more of a equal, oh, yeah, a bit more of a, a level playing field, I'd say. There's, it kind of makes me wonder if like we could do something a little bit different, like social media makes it possible to reach these, these kids right mm. from deprived backgrounds i'm mm. not saying that everyone's got a smartphone because obviously that brings up the kind of the the total bias of who's got access to the internet and whatever else but you are more likely to reach these people perhaps than you can do through schools like mm. you can tell them what opportunities are available to them like maybe to showcase what's going on 
in technology. Mm. We should be reaching out to, you know, someone who's come from an area which has low cultural capital, perhaps, mm. and is in higher education studying and 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 mm. hopefully like they've got people who follow them from their communities. And if we got them to start talking about, you know, if we got mm. into a conversation with them about what opportunities are actually out there and they mm. can be that bridge into the community. Maybe there's mm. something that we could be doing around that, that, that could actually reach those people and begin to, to help them see the range of opportunities. Yeah. But so, sometimes I do also think that it can be a, a kind of, it can backfire as well because that those people I know, and I know a few people from like lower socioeconomic areas that maybe don't have the kind of cultural capital that have then gone into higher education, gone into you know some really strong careers in academia and all these sorts of things. They're so desperate to get out of that rut that they don't want anything to kind of go back and and do anything with it. Do you know what I mean? So they're like, well, I'm on this road which is going to take me north of this place that I don't really want to be associated don't want to know don't want to live and I'm just doing everything to go north rather than you know look behind and help others get on the same kind of vehicle yeah. as me if that analogy yeah. made any sense <laughs> I think it did yeah. um just as a last note our organization if it had an ESG team it doesn't have like ESG that's a new term to me as of this podcast CSR yes ESG I wasn't familiar with what do you reckon Harvey Nash could do in the in, in in the community? What could what could we do that's different that helps? Uh, I, I think we could definitely be involved in some sort of pathways in terms of like bit of I don't know maybe I because you, you can look at it from a physical perspective as well. Um, yeah, physical perspective obviously there's you know shitloads of kind of our carbon footprint or whatever and wastage that sort of thing but then from the other yeah. side i think we could definitely be involved in some sort of program to help you know kind of the the, the local areas near us um or yeah. in a in our regional offices like birmingham manchester edinburgh i'm sure there are inner city areas with very very low kind of socioeconomic kind of you know classes or statuses and we could definitely do something um in fact in our leads office i'm sure they should be doing something um, and maybe get in touch with a head partnership. So if we could make that intro, because we do have an office in Leeds and yeah, these guys are, are based up there. Yeah. So, you know, we should definitely be working together um, for some positive change, I think. And, and, and it's, it's good. And Bev, if, if, if our CEO of Harvey Nash group is listening, Bev, there you go. There's a few ideas. Let's see if she comes back with a comment. We'll find out if she's listening. She's a, uh... She, well, she's actually in the office. I know you told should me. I, should I go? Should I go grab her? Should, should we get no, her? That on? feels like it's cheating. Let's let's just see if she comes back to us. Uh, <laughs> right. By the way, on another episode. How, how long? How long? How long? How long? How long are we giving her to come back? We need to start the counter from Thursday. So let's give her a week. Two weeks. Let's see. A week. A week. Yeah. Let's right. recording next week. week. Let's see if we've heard. <laughs> All right. Cool. Um, right. Uh, what else? Uh, very quickly, um, this is a, a, a bundle of specials because it's it's Leeds Digital Festival and it's International Podcast Day. Um, you may have listened to this episode. If you haven't, we have an episode with the Coders Guild. They have an LGBTQ plus 
hack. So LGBTQ plus hack coders guild, put that in Google, you'll find out. And if it's still September 30th, when you're listening, you have until five o'clock to enter their LGBTQ plus hack. That's a lovely inclusive um, project. So get involved. Hugely supportive of that. Um, but otherwise, Keish, thank you for joining me on this particular edition and go and have a listen to the other three. <laughs>